Hey everyone, Steve here, and I just want to give a quick shout out to HTTS Greg, Eric Lind, and Nathan Pierce at Micro Brewer for giving us reviews on iTunes. iTunes does their rankings based on an algorithm of downloads and reviews, so each review we get helps bump us up those podcast charts. If you like what you've heard and you've got a moment, please go to iTunes and leave us an honest review. We would appreciate it more than you know. We've got a link embedded in the summary of this MP3 to make it even easier to do so. And if you do, you'll probably get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks. Some people will remember the day you were born. Some people will remember the day you died. But most people are going to remember that dash, right? That mark in between those two dates. And what is it that you want people to remember? Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, entrepreneur and podcaster, Joelle Lewis. Now, Joelle has a show called the Startup Dad Headquarters Podcast, and my co-host, John Ramstad, got to know Joelle as we started to plan this show out. What I like about this one is Joelle's a real guy who's just trying to balance his life right now, working full-time plus starting a business and a podcast, all the while not neglecting his roles as a husband and father. That's a balancing role we've all got to maintain. Here's our interview with Joelle Lewis on this edition of Eternal Leadership. Well, Steve, today on yeah. Eternal Leadership, we have Joelle Lewis. Now, I came across Joelle on the podcast. I was looking for just great resources. There were so many questions coming up from people I work with and yeah. questions that were coming in from our audience. Not only about balance in life, but how do I really stay connected and develop those important relationships in my life? Not only just my spouse, but my kids, my children. How do I raise them uh, in a way that I'm just not an absentee dad, an absentee mother? And Joel's podcast is the Startup Dad Headquarters. I encourage everybody to go out mm-hmm. and subscribe to that, listen to it, leave it a rating and review so it just gives more visibility. But Joel, I got to tell you the the interviews you've had on there and the content so far have just been fantastic for me personally, and has already impacted our family. So, just thank you and welcome to the show, John, Steve. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited uh, to be here, and I'm honored that you know you guys would invite me onto your amazing podcast. Uh, like I shared before we hit record, I also uh, tune into your podcast, and it is a dose of inspiration. I love the coach's corner. I believe that's the title of the coach's <laughs> yeah. Coach. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's so amazing uh, to get, you know, you guys are you know, tapping into so many great resources and uh, providing so many, uh, you know, the, the most recent episode I listened to, those, the two questions, I think one of the questions was about balancing or there was a, quite a bit of conversation about balance over balancing. So, um, you know, you guys are doing great work as well. So thank you again for having me on. Well, thank you. And I, and I love how you describe yourself. You're a Fortune 100 executive. I know you're in management at a very large company, and you've gone rogue. You've gone, you had an entrepreneurial seizure, but you followed it successfully. And now you're trying to balance this whole new focus and energy and time commitment that it takes with, with your life. So uh, I'd love to get started and just have you share a little bit about yourself and your story, and then we can dive into just some of the things you've learned and are teaching along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Joel Lewis, like you said, I am a da- dad, a uh, husband. I have three young girls. So I have a, uh, all, all, all under the age of uh, seven, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old. 
so I'm in the midst of diapers, late nights. Uh, everyone, yeah, you know, there's always someone waking up in the middle of the night, right? So we uh, very uh, lack of sleep. Uh, and, you know, on top of that, I'm also a manager. Uh, I tend to say the name of the company. I don't know if I'm supposed to or not, but I I work. Go for- ahead. <laughs> I work- <laughs> I work for Intel Corporation, so the small, the small computer chip maker uh, company. And, uh, you know, I've been with Intel for 14 years. Wonderful career. You know, uh, I went from being a technician, got my degree in engineering, and then became a manager. Um, and I've been a manager for, for 10 years, leading, uh, you know, teams from small teams of 15 to large teams of, of 30, 35. So it's been a wonderful uh, adventure, wonderful ride. And you know, it, it, it obviously it's a wonderful company to stay there for 14 years. That that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. But uh, if I go back a little bit in my story to kind of like my younger uh, self, uh, I've I was the creative, crazy, dorky kid in my family, right? So uh, I had a uh, I have five siblings, uh, and uh, very close again in age and stuff like that. And uh, you know, we grew up. Um, uh, you know, I, w- I won't go t- too much into the background, but we, we grew up in a two-bedroom home, and it was it was uh, it was tight. It was uh, you know we didn't have a lot, um, but I was always looking for ways to create things and, and build things. And, uh, and I, yeah, I, I I had uh, one interview I was on uh, recently. I told uh, you know I told them I used to get teased by my own siblings, and uh, and uh, that kind of. Unfortunately, the, the lack of support there and being teased and, and my own uh, self-doubt, I stopped kind of being creative and I kind of tucked that away. Um, and, um, and then, you know, my journey through elementary school and high school was, um, it was a rough, it was rough, uh, you know, uh, trying to figure out who I am, you know, what am I all about, being popular and you know, at one location, not popular in another location. I was on the football team. I joined the fraternity in college. So and I where had, was where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. So uh, in the area called Flatbush. Yeah. Familiar with that? So yeah. my mom was a f- factory worker. And my dad was a truck driver, local truck driver. So not a you know, and my my mom barely spoke. My mom barely speaks English. Uh, my dad a little bit better than my mom, um, and uh, I was actually the first one in my uh, out of my siblings to actually graduate college. Um, since then, my, my other siblings have graduated, which has been awesome. Um, but you know, my whole focus, like uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs was, you know, especially when you're coming from nothing, is go to school, get a degree, work hard, and uh, climb the corporate ladder. And uh, for years, that was my that was my uh, that was my focus. That was my intent, and um, and at some point, you know, things started to change. Uh, that creativity started to it was back there. It was somewhere. It was like the spirit, the 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 the, the flame, the burning desire started to 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 flame up. And uh, it was like, all right, well, this is great. I'm doing a lot of awesome stuff with Intel, um, getting recognized, getting promoted, moving up the ladder. You know, things are going great. And then, you know, the question that popped in my mind, which I believe uh, at some point pops in everyone's mind is like, you know, can I do something on my own? You know, can I if I'm doing such great things, if Intel is paying me this well, you know, this great salary to do these things for them, what can I do for myself? Uh, And I started 
that's when my journey began uh, and I started searching. And this was about four years ago. Uh, I started searching for that answer and it took me, you know, especially for the parents out there who are listening, it took me a long time. It wasn't something that I just kind of rolled out of bed and said, oh, I'll quit Intel and I'll just, you know, I had a, at this point I had a, a family already. I had a, you know, my, my six-year-old was two at the time and, and then my four-year-old was, was a newborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started with me trying to become an app developer because I went to school for electrical and computer engineering. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, well, I, I've taken programming. I've, uh, I, could, uh, I could write code. And uh, I found myself in the wee hours of the night trying to write code, even though I knew uh, my children would be up, you know, three hours after I hit, hit the bed because my, my wife is a NICU nurse. Mm-hmm. And at the time, she was working night shift. So she'd be at work. I'm typing away the computer knowing that I have to be, you know, I have to be awake and ready to take care of the kids the next morning. And that didn't last long. Uh, obviously, I burnt out because, um, as, as you talked about, um, you know, I want to be an engaged dad. I want to be involved. I want to be there. Um, so, uh, you know, I struggled with a lot of different things that I tried during that time frame. And then I came across uh, this awesome book by Dan Miller, uh, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Um, and he was being, he, actually, I came across an interview that he was on. And then um, from that interview, I said, this, I'm listening to the interview, it was a podcast. So podcasts are amazing. Yeah. Uh, from that interview, it was like, I got to get this book. And uh, I went right away, picked up the book. And um, that book helped me create startup that headquarters what did you learn reading that book what what clicked into place yeah so one of the things that i struggled with just like with the app development is like i and i struggle with this still right now is that i i'm good at a lot of things there are a lot of things that i'm good at i'm, I'm a techie um i'm a handyman i'm you know there's a lot of things that i could do I'm a, i feel like i'm a good dad i know how to clean i know how to so it's like what am i going to build what am i going to create what you know what is where's is there a need in the world uh i had a, a guest on my show tim grawl that said uh find an injustice in the world and solve it so what is my injustice that i'm going to to to, to solve and i tried all these other things you know all these different uh different things and um and you know, I had my hands in a lot of a lot of places, and it wasn't focused. And it was like, okay, I have all these strengths, but how do I take all those things and put them into one cohesive um, uh, business? And that's what st- that's what Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love. Like, I really decided, you know, as entrepreneurs, we listen to podcasts, we read books, we take courses, um, and it's kind of like in and out, in and out, in and out. And it was like, no, I'm going to stop everything else. And for the next 48 days, well, I'm a dad, so it really was like 60 days, right? So uh, next 60 days, I'm going to focus on this book, and I'm going to answer the questions, go through the problems, and, and see what happens on the other mm-hmm. side. So, um, so I put it into, you know, I put the time and the, the faith in, 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 into the book. And, and Dan Miller is a, very, uh, is a Christian as well, so, um, you know, it, that, that also resonated with me. So, You know, as you were trying to... Find you know go through this process to really find your dreams and connect with that. How did, how did you balance working full time at Intel, doing this extra work? Your wife is working the night shift. You have three kids. Were you even were you able to stay in balance? 
No, you know, and, and, and this is that's a very good question. And, uh, you know, like, I, like before we hit record, I think I, I mentioned the interview you just had uh, with you, the Coaches Corner that you just r- released. You guys talked about it quite a bit and, um, and you, really great nuggets that came out of that conversation. And, you know, one of my questions that I ask all the dads, um, 35 interviews now, is that question about balance. And, uh, you know, and pretty much resoundingly the answer is like balance doesn't exist balancing you know uh i have a friend who talks about karate kid you know and that you know we all know the movie where he's standing on the little uh the crane pose crane pose and to you it looks like he's balanced uh especially once he starts mastering it but if you were to go down to the, the micro details and look at his toes and his feet there's like twitching that's happening right he's kind of adjusting all the time to kind of keep things in order and um and I, I love the analogy that your guest had was you're trying to spin all these plates all at the same time and it's like you know sometimes you just got to let some of those plates fall it's going to fall for a week it's going to fall for a couple of weeks but you have to focus on what you're doing right now what's the most important thing in your business in your life right now focus on that and then when you get the chance come back and pick up the pieces from that other stuff that you let you let um, go by, but we we can't balance everything. It's it's a balancing act, and we got to just make sure we're prioritizing the most important things in our lives. Um, and then you know when we get some extra time, um, swing back around. But you know to answer the question, like it was very difficult. You know one of the things, um, you know, g- good or bad, depending on how you look at it, is that I'm not a sleeper. Uh, I, I'm not a person that requires a lot of sleep. Uh, actually, my whole family is that way. Uh, my wife is out as a complete opposite, one eighty. Uh, she can sleep eight to ten hours a day and be, uh, you know, be completely fine. Like, uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, we hit record. I, I worked last night. I got off at seven p.m. Uh, did some things around the house, spent time with the girls before school and stuff like that. Uh, went to bed around ten, uh, and then I think by one thirty, I was like wide awake and uh, ready to go. Uh, so and I jumped on a mastermind call and now I'm here with you guys. So, uh, I'm sure that is, uh, taking away some years of, of, of my life down the road. Uh, and I, you know, we try to figure it out. Like I've tried different sleep aids and stuff like that, but this is just the way I'm wired. Um, so that's really been, I guess, part of my success. Uh, the other thing is, is like, you know, I just mentioned is focusing on what's most, uh, most important at the time. You know, it's interesting when clients of mine are in that same situation, a question I like to ask them is what matters? Yeah. In the present today, in the moment, what is the most important thing to focus on? Sometimes that, that is the kids in the relationship coming home and just taking my cell phone and just turning it off and putting it on top of the fridge for two hours every night. And for some people that is a hard task to accomplish consistently. But, you know, as you've, you know, yourself, you're going through this process and you've interviewed all these entrepreneurs that are in this same journey. What really highlights somebody who's made this transition into this entrepreneurial world? It's a much busier world, uh, you know, in a successful way. Um, It's it's really uh, being intentional about spend like you just mentioned intentional about spending time with your family being present 
and, and that's really what Startup Dad is, is all about. It's saying that, you know, one, it's not too late, right? The fact that you have kids, the fact that you have all this other stuff that's going on, and you're not a college grad, recent college grad, it's not too late for you to pursue your dreams. Actually, uh, and this is, you know, this is my theory, is that instead of you being miserable and going to a job that you hate, which means you come home miserable, you're miserable with your family, uh, pursuing your dreams is going to put you in a better place, happier, uh, come home and be, spend more time. And when you're with your family, you're happier. Uh, but you have to be really intentional about how you spend that time. I mean, I have dads who say they straight up, they have to, they pencil in their family into their schedule. Um, dads who do the same thing, they, they put their cell phones into a, a jar when they walk into the house. And, you know, actually they, I had one day, him and his wife both put their, their, their cell phones into a jar and then they're not allowed to take it out until a certain point in time. You know, one of the things that really stuck for me was uh, a few months ago, we were having, you know, dinner with, with, uh, you know, with the girls, you know, we try to do dinner as regular, you know, as often as possible. And, um, my, at the end of the dinner, neither one of my, my wife and I, neither one of us took our cell phones out at all. You know, sometimes we make these excuses. We're going to, you know, oh, there's a, a, fun, uh, a fun moment that's happening. Or oh, I want to take a picture of it. Or, you know, we're having a conversation during the dinner, you know, during the, uh, during the dinner. And it's like, oh, I want to Google the answer to that question that my wife asked or, she, you know, or asked her. But that just leads down the rabbit hole, right? You just pull the phone out and, and the kids see it. So we had this conversation, we had this dinner and we did not pull the phone out at, at any point in time. And at the end of the uh, dinner, my six-year-old said, mom, dad, I have a surprise for you guys. And we we're like, what? what is, what's the surprise? And she said, I'm going to make dessert tonight because neither one of you guys, you guys earned it because neither one of you guys pulled out your cell phone throughout the entire dinner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my, it's six years old. I'm like, really? Like she actually observe and we, you know our dinners are not you know if you have kids you know the dinner does not last 30 minutes you know it's yeah. like it's like an hour-long activity it's like eat your food eat your food getting off the seat all this kind of stuff that's going on it's just very hectic uh but you know it was an hour long and she observed that the entire time we did not pull out our cell phones and then her way of telling us that you know that meant a lot to her was by saying hey i'm going to reward you guys by making by making dessert. So we had some fruit with whipped cream that night for dessert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you said something else that really resonated with me. You know, if you're in a job and you're just going there and you're super busy, maybe you're involved in the community, you're on boards, nonprofits, but you're just not happy. But when you can connect with that, you know, that calling in your life or that purpose and it could be where you're planted. It could be at the company you're at. It could be moving in an entrepreneurial journey. But just think about the example that sets to your kids when all of a sudden they start seeing joy in your life and you're supporting your family in a way that's enriching and encouraging. And was that a big part of your motivation? Was that part of how you thought about this as you went through the, the 48 days and the process you went through? Yeah, one of the, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, he talk, that Dan talks about in the book is he talks about the difference between your vocation, your career, and your job. 
and uh, most people are in a job. You know, I went to school, I did one, I, I earned a degree in one thing, but I'm actually doing something completely different. Um, I stumbled upon this job and I need to pay my bills. I have a family to feed. So I'm just doing this. You know, some people are in their career, but the, the sweet spot, what we really want to get to is our vocation. And like you said, and, I, and I, I talk about this quite a bit on on my show as well, not everyone is built to be an entrepreneur. And in no way, shape or form am I saying uh, every dad out there needs to become an entrepreneur. I think I absolutely 100% agree that you could find joy where you are, um, you know, in the company that you're with. But I think also what it means, and I just had a wonderful interview. Um, it hasn't launched yet. The episode hasn't launched yet. But the, the, the guy, uh, the gentleman I interviewed basically was saying that once you become your whole self, once you allow yourself to um, uh, um, what's the word here? Once you allow yourself to uh, be um, once you once you once you become your whole self in your company, basically allow yourself your true self to come out, your skills, your your gifts, your, your talents, and figure out how do I uh, not shy away or not put on this facade in in the corporation, but actually let people see who I really am and the value that I have to offer. You can uh, become, and that that was actually part of my journey with Intel is when I started, even though I'm a manager, when I started teaching courses. Because I love teaching uh, and I love solving problems, uh, and this is where it you know, kind of leads to startup dad. Uh, that's when I really started, uh, really enjoyed my my role um, at Intel. Um, so, uh, to answer your to answer your question, you know, I think what we really want to find, everyone needs to aspire to, is finding what your vocation is or what your calling is. And then once you find that, you'll be uh, your family will see it, your kids will see it, your your friends, you you would just be a you know a happier person. You know, Joel in the book Essentialism, Greg McEwen starts out with the story of this guy that was he was just ready to quit his job. He was totally stressed out. Relationships in his life weren't going well, and he did that. He got in touch with who he was and what he could do well, and then he started saying no. Because you have to have a firm yes to be able to have a firm no. Yeah. But he started saying no to things that weren't in his area of strengths or things that were interesting to him and passionate to him. And just that change, staying in that company, he was doing consulting, I believe, at the time, totally transformed not only his work performance. He had his best years ever, best reviews, best bonuses. But he also talked about how that impacted his relationships at home and his kids. Just everything got better when he got in touch with who he was and then intentionally worked in those areas right where he stood. So yeah. that is such a great point. So yeah. how do you, how do you, how did you get there? Um that is a great question. I I've been, I don't know if I've ever sat down and actually thought about that because you know, you know what it was? Here's, here's the thing that happened. We had a major problem at Intel, right? We had a situation, and maybe this is where I shouldn't be saying the company's name, but we, we had a, a, we, at our, our site, not Intel Global, the corporation, right? Because there's multiple sites. Our site here in, in Massachusetts, we were having a lot of safety issues. Now, we weren't, you know, 
we didn't have anybody um, dying or anything like that, but we were having a lot of injuries, micro injuries, because it's a factory, right? At the end of the day, it's a factory. Um, and people were having uh, uh, CTDs and, um, and uh, MSDs. Um, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and the problem solver in me was like, come on, we got to be able to figure out why are people getting injured? Um, and I started looking at, you know, on my own, not even consulting my manager at the time, uh, started looking at what is the work that we're doing and how are we currently measuring that work as opposed to how we should be measuring that work. And when I finally came up with a theory, I presented it to my manager and he loved it. Um, and again, I'm on night shift, right? So night shift tends to be kind of like, you know, you're not exposed to the day shift folks. It's a little bit harder to get things passed through and stuff like that. Um, but my manager loved it. He took it down to, you know, to the, you know, to upper management and, um, and they asked me to come on and do a presentation. And I did, uh, we ended up implementing it. It was a long process. It was like a six month long process. I led the entire project. Um, and my, like my manager was kind of like, uh, you know, mentoring me along the way. And, um, and our safety injuries, there's a lot of things that came out of it, but, um, at the end of the day, our safety injuries dropped significantly. We came, became best in class um, when you, in comparison to the other factories with regards to safety. I ended up, I ended up uh, writing an abstract um, to this uh, conference that Intel has every other year called IMEC, uh, I-M-E-C, IMEC. Um, and I, my, my paper got accepted. I went and presented in front of like, you know, like three, four hundred of like the brilliant minds of Intel. And they absolutely loved the entire thing. And um, and that I think that to me was the the starting point of me saying, you know what, I'm going to stop just following this book that someone wrote in terms of being, you know, who I'm supposed to be as a manager and stuff like that. And I'm just going to allow my my whole self to come out, my problem solving skills, my. Uh, my leadership skills to to come out and uh, and flourish. Regardless if I'm on night shift, I'll I'll still figure out ways to to make an impact. And that that really uh, shifted things. That was in 2000 and 2007, 2008 um, is when that happened. And that year I got promoted again. So um, so that's kind of like where the shift happened. So you had this light bulb moment you actually started working in your string something that was interesting to you that was outside of the script of the job description and and we fast forward to today you know what advice would you give to people whether they're looking at an entrepreneurial venture or they're you know that's not how they're wired but they're just looking in the place you know where they're sitting today but they're just they have that level of discontent they just don't have that joy what advice would you share with them you know, uh, one of the one of the you know, I know you uh, bring up in the show like one of my uh, what's one of my favorite um, Bible quotes, and yeah. you know, one of my favorite Bible quotes is Proverbs twenty three seven, which basically says, "As a man thinketh, you know, so is he," right? And 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 to me, you know, and this is something I know people struggle with, and either they struggle with it or they just don't realize it. Like we've been equipped. You know, God has given us everything that uh, that we need, um, you know, to 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 do what is it that we want to do? Like, right to to solve problems, to create, to 
to to be you know uh, to be an entrepreneur to be a great leader to be it's just whether or not we are willing to step into that greatness right step into that that possibility right uh, let go of the uh, the um, the doubts and the fears that we cannot do something uh, let go of the fear that you know. I'm, I'm going to be homeless. My, what am I going to feed my kids? What am I going to, how am I going to provide for my family? We have gotten so, uh, it, it's been so ingrained in us that we have to follow this certain path that that, a lot, that fear has, has held us back from, from stepping into our greatness. And I, and I think, you know, that, you know, Proverbs 23, 7, there's another one I, I, I wrote down here, Matthew 15, 11, which I also love. It goes, it, it is not what goes into the mouth of a man that makes him unclean and defiled, but what comes out of the mouth, this makes a man unclean and defiled, which to me, again, combining that 23, 7, it's what's already in you. Combining these two verses, it basically comes down to, like, it's really what, what's in your heart. Right. Oh, this is what you guys talked about. Like, what's in your what you what's in your mind? Um, uh, you know, the things the things that in your the things that you think about, the things that are in your heart, are going to uh, are going to reveal themselves. Right. You could try to put on a facade. You could try to put on an act, but God knows what's in your heart. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, God knows what you're thinking. God knows uh, you know uh, what you what you really believe, um, and it, it's really um, taking the time. Uh, and, and this is where kind of like the 48 days of the work you love, sitting down with your Bible and, and, and really trying to understand who you are and who do you want to who do you want to be and praying on that and, um, and letting God work in, in your life. So I don't know if I answered your question there, but uh, hopefully I did. Well, Joel, you did. It reminds me of a quote that I love from Ralph Waldo, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. So a thought and you reap an action. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. And what you're talking about here is how do you change your destiny? How do you live a life of significance and purpose and and loving relationship with your kids? And it all starts with how you think. And what you're talking about is can I really get in touch with not who I see in the mirror, but how does God see me? And I love where you're going with that. And if you step into that full potential, that greatness that God sowed into you, this ability to accomplish incredible things, really from a kingdom perspective, maybe not from a worldly perspective, and as you start to embrace the gifts and talents and strengths that you have inside you and your core values, and then you start thinking from that perspective, you start acting differently, you start talking differently, it develops new habits, new character, and you can see that that leads to the direction that you're that you're heading in, and that's a life uh, that's just of fulfillment of of joy. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is just a, a guiding principle that we have in our family, and we talk about that to our kids. You know, where when something comes out of their mouth and they're teasing one of their brothers, you know, we, we link that back. You know, where is that coming from? From your heart. That's a heart issue. That's not just you being mean in the moment to your to your brother or, or picking on them. And, and so we try to get down to the the root of the issue, but it's the same thing with us as adults. What's the root of our issues? Because where we are in life is a sum total of all the thoughts and decisions and acts that we've made up to this point. Yeah. So every single morning when we wake up, we have a choice. We have a second chance to actually just start. I think if you think with the end in mind, Stephen Covey, right? Start, begin with the end in mind. What is that? 
destiny that what do you want people to say about you when you're 80 years old or at your funeral? Because, you know, I had an accident. I was faced with potentially it could have been my funeral just a few years ago. Yeah. And I really started thinking about what they would say to me, say about me then if it had happened. And in the future, what do I really, really, what do I really want those conversations to be about my life? And not just that I had impact today or in a couple of years, but what would something that would last a thousand years, a million years, you know, eternally. And uh, so I, I appreciate you bringing that point up. Yeah. If you don't mind me jumping in, you know, one of the, one of the poems that I love is there's a poem called The Dash. And, um, you know, speaking to what you're, you're just saying, and the, the, the Dash basically, you know, to summarize it, it talks about some people will remember the day you were born. Some people will remember the day you died. But most people are going to remember that Dash. Right. That mark in between those two dates. And what is it that you want people to remember? Right. And if you if you uh, if if you start your day uh, that way. Right. Like if you start your day thinking about, uh, you know, 40 years down the road or when you, you die. And, you know, like you mentioned, what do I want my what do I want my family to remember about? you know, Joel Lewis, what do I want my girls to remember? Like, I, I want them to remember that I was there. I was present. I would put away the phone. I, I was intentional about spending time with them. You know, I want people to remember that I made a difference. I made an impact in their lives. I want them to, to, to say, you know, uh, you know, if, jo if Joel did not do this thing, my life would have been in a completely different, di you know, taking a completely different direction. So, you know, I want to make them, you know, like you, you mentioned, I want to make a mark on this, this world. And in order to be able to do that, you have to be intentional uh, about what, how you start today, right now. You know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So you think about the future, but now you take the one step towards that future. You know, hey, as we wrap up with, you know, talking about this, these significant issues, uh, I, I still think, you know, as people try to embrace this destiny, this future, that they're still trying to get clarity around as they journey in that direction. You know, it's, it's still incumbent upon us as parents, mothers and fathers to stay connected with those, those relationships that are most important. So what thoughts would you leave with people here as we end just about that last subject? You know, I think, you know, what, what we've you know, kind of reference is really be intentional about what you're, what you spend your time on. You know, I, just like you mentioned earlier, uh, you have to uh, build, uh, and I, I'm also referencing your past episode, you have to build the muscle of no, um, but also knowing that everything that you say yes to means that you're saying no to something else. Right. So if, if I'm saying yes to being on this podcast with you, and as you can see, my daughter just came home from school, you know, like I'm saying no to spending to being there to greet in her for those first couple of minutes when she just gets home. And I have to make I have to know that I, I have to go to work tonight. I'm working at 645 p.m. I have to leave at about 545. So the next 45 minutes, once we once we hang up, I have to really be intentional of spending spending time with them. So I made sure I woke up early, right? I don't sleep much, but took a shower. I got dressed, ready for work. Everything is already packed and ready to go. Um, so now the next 45 minutes, I could really just focus on them. Um, so saying yes also means you're saying no to something and you have to, 
you have to figure out, you know, is that yes more important um, than, the, than the no you're saying, uh, than the thing you're saying no to. So be, really be intentional about what you're doing, what's really important in your, in your life. Uh, you know, just Monday, I deleted Facebook, social media off of my phone. It's gone. I don't have social media on my phone anymore. Completely eradicated, which is like crazy for me because like I don't use my phone for a phone. I use you know I don't I don't talk to people on my phone. You know I use it for texting, email, and social media. So I just got rid of a huge part of 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 the you know purpose of this phone. I'm like, do I even need to pay a hundred and something dollars a month for this thing anymore? You know without social media, maybe I could just drop to a basic. You know, a basic phone, uh, which I've always teased people about. But, you know, in all seriousness, like I would I would, you know, I would wake up and and I first thing I do before I even get out of bed, I open up the phone to respond on Twitter, respond on Facebook, you know, thinking that I have to do these things for my business. Forty five minutes later, I'm still in bed, you know, and it's you know, I haven't read the Bible. I haven't prayed. I haven't meditated. I'm on the phone, you know. I'm saying no to the Bible. I'm saying no to meditating. I'm saying no to, you know, to praying, you know, so uh, and saying yes to social media. So you, you have to you have to really look at what you're doing and be intentional with how you spend your time. If you'd like more information about the Startup Dad Headquarters podcast and Joel, just go to eternalleadership.com slash zero six eight. I love some of the guests and topics he's covered. That's eternalleadership.com slash 068. Next time on Eternal Leadership, executive coach Dean Miles joins John in the Coach's Corner. You have to first be an excellent follower before you'll ever be an excellent leader. And I'm really thinking that that's more true every time I see it happen in front of my face. What exactly does he mean by that? Find out next time when Dean and John answer two questions that you and our audience have submitted. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>